I gotta start off today by thanking everyone who's pre-ordered my book, Life of the Party. I know it gets exhausting hearing me talk about this book so much. That's why I've pulled back the retweets a tad bit. But if you do tweet me a receipt of your purchase of Life of the Party, I will favorite you. I will follow you. You can DM me. I will do your podcast. And if I see you on the road, I will buy you a beer. Because your pre-order is the key determining factor on how well this book does and whether or not we see it in a bookstore, which is my ultimate goal. So if you haven't already, please go to birdbirdbird.com and pre-order your copy of Life of the Party. I love you with all of my heart. I'm still on tour, West Palm, Edmonton, Irvine, Tampa, Mastucket. I don't know the exact dates. Priscilla's sitting on my feet today's guest. Stand-up comedian, actor, Court McCowan. This is the Birdcast. Horse, horse, horse. <laughs> Look at this place, man. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Pretty, uh, Look at that. Samsung in there. I jokingly say it's the greatest thing that ever happened to me, including the birth of my kids. The... Uh, I remember the day I got it. Two I was TVs. Like, oh, I just got a text from you. Yeah. I have arrived five minutes early. Perfect. Look at that. Look, what a guy, man. Five minutes early. I'm not a comic. <laughs> I'm consistently fucking late. I'm not a comic. Once you get to a place where you start going, that's the bad part is when you're around other people who are late and someone goes, Dad, I can't start without me. And you're like, oh, that's the wrong mentality to have. Oh, no, no. That's not the way to be. Actually, I'm going to grab a Sprite. Yeah. Um. I hope everyone heard that. The doors are open in the man cave today. And adjoining me, joining me in the adjoining, joining me in the man cave, Court McCowan. Court, I've known since, uh, have, Court, how long have I known you? I guess I, I met you right when I first had kids, I think. Yeah. I remember you were, you were taking pills to get on planes. I remember that. I was taking pills and drinking. Yeah, but you were taking a lot of pills. You were saying you didn't want to drink, but I was like, yeah, fuck yeah, you're drinking. Yeah, I was I was taking pills and drinking to get on planes. That was definitely, I was around, Georgia was must, I, I probably didn't have Isla yet. I don't think so. I know that the funniest thing was, is like, the, the good thing about flying with you is that we got to sit up front on Southwest. Because I had anxiety and I got the blue you were, slip. you were a little nervous, nervous little fucking quit the blue slip and i said hey i have flight anxiety i need to be fuck it let's get in the front row let's do it yep me you and then was there there was like a hot chick with us too i think we sat the hot chick between us who was the hot chick i don't know was it just some hot chick were we having everything here yeah there was just oh combos i'm looking for a sponsorship here i'm I'm looking for a sponsorship so i just leave combos out and then i mention them casually today's my first day okay i did it with ari and so hopefully one day combos will be like, you know what? He's already got us in there. Why don't we just send him more combos? I fucking yeah. love combos. Those are fucking delicious, dude. Um, we sat with a hot chick and I remember thinking, I remember, I remember I was playing a pretty good wingman and I remember at one point you're like, I don't need it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it wasn't. Yeah. It's was like, eh, you know, I think she had like fat ankles at that point. I was like, no, nah, I'm out. <laughs> it was the Playboy. Uh, the Playboy... Playboy Comedy Tour. Comedy that's right. Tour. We were doing it in Vegas. Yeah, that's right. You that's, how, that's where I met Steve Bernazizi. Oh, right. It was Steve, It was me, you, Steve, and uh, and uh, fucking... Simone was there? No, who was... Uh, was it? No, no, no. Steve Bernazizi, me, you, and your partner in the... the Chris? Oh, oh, Paul, Paul Hughes. Paul, Paul, Paul yeah, Hughes. Paul yeah. was there. Yeah. And Paul, and then Jim... Jim Hess. Jim came Hess out. came out to play poker. Your manager at the time, right? Agent. He Agent. came out to play poker, and he played like he was playing like hardcore poker. I think he won a gold bracelet or something. Did he really? Dude, he's. I think he stopped working in the entertainment business. I think he just does poker now. 
Wow. He was obsessed. Do you think that was his choice, or do you think he's? No, that was his choice. He was. He would. I remember him telling me like, "Yeah, yeah, I got this tournament I'm going out to this weekend." And I was like, "Get the fuck out!" I never could figure out like how people do that and can. I don't. It just seems like a. I don't know. It just seems like you might as well just be a pimp. You yeah. know, if you're gonna, it just seems odd. It seems like an odd profession unless you're like really fucking good. Well, I'll say this. I know for a fact that I've always been a big drinker, and I can never imagine activities without beer sometimes. Like, like you go yeah. to, like, a, like say, like, tonight we're going to a friend's uh, Chinese New Year's party. Okay. And in my head, I'm like... And Is I have an Asian guy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Both okay. of them. The whole family. And so, obviously. <laughs> you never know. No, no, they're Jewish people. They're throwing a Chinese New Year's party. Why not? <laughs> we're all dressing up as Chinese like, people. There's going to be a bunch of Jews, right? <laughs> all hanging out. A Jew's having Chinese food. It's just alcoholics. Yeah. There's any reason to party. Yeah. It's, a night. it's yeah. Arbor Day. Listen, today we're going to have just Chinese New Year. <laughs> we're going to get lots of Kung Pao chicken, and we're going to have and we're going to have Manischewitz. <laughs> so, but I just I look at something like tonight, and I haven't been drinking. I drank the other night at the store, but I haven't been drinking lately at all. Mm. Kind of, I, I've drank. I think I've had like two nights of drinking in the past couple of weeks. But I look at something like tonight, and I'm like, well, how am I going to do that without drinking beers? Like, I want beers. So, I don't know. where. How do we got on this subject? Uh, um, oh, it has playing poker. We're oh, yeah, about yeah, that. yeah. The only thing I've ever been able to do without drinking is gambling. Mm. I can gamble without drinking. Like, I don't even notice it. Wow. Like, I, like, if, like play poker, I don't even notice that I don't have beers, and I don't need beers. That wow. high you get from fucking, it's the, it's. The, the next hand, the next hand shows up, and you look at him, and you're like, your heart starts racing. You get a good hand, and yeah. the flop comes, and, a better, and it gets better, and then you know you're head-to-head with some guy. I fucking love that. I got into online poker for a while when you could still play with your own money, when you could play with real money. Yeah. I got into that for a while. I did, too. and That uh, was around the time that I was hanging out with you. Yeah, but that's, yeah, I was going to say, I got into it a little after that, because I was in Vegas all the time, and I never gamble in Vegas. Uh, I just never, I never was a big, I just, I don't know. I don't see it. The, everyone thinks that you win and it's like, I know some people who have won, you know, but it, it's just, there's, there's so many people that lose and, and they don't build these hotels and they don't expand these hotels because people are winning money. Yeah. People are losing money hand over fist and. That's the- I just don't understand how people can lose thousands of dollars. I don't know how you, when this country's in as shit shape as it's in, in an awful recession and people can't get jobs, that people can manage to lose ten, fifteen thousand dollars $15,000 in a weekend. I went with my buddy Eddie when I first moved to L.A., and we went to Vegas, and I lost like, I want to say I lost like $1,500 that weekend, which was a lot of money. Yeah. Which was a lot of money now, but it was a lot of money to me then. And then... The next time we went back, we went back to Vegas with a group of people, and I went and I was down like four hundred bucks, and I was like, "I'm done." And the last day, Eddie was like, "Put four hundred bucks on black, yeah. and to get back to even." And I was like, "I was like, what if I lose?" And he goes, "Then you got to put eight hundred bucks down. Put eight hundred bucks down. You got it in your bank. You got put eight hundred bucks down, and just keep doing it until you break even." And I put down four hundred bucks, and it hit. And I fucking was like, I'm even. And he goes, no, now's when you let it ride. Yeah, fuck. (laughs) And we let it ride until like fucking 1,600 bucks. And I was like, this is what I'm talking about. This is the greatest day ever. And then we were on a roller coaster. It was like the greatest. Like we literally, I I remember it was like that mentality you get into. You're like, it's almost like fun to be a fuck up. You're like, that makes great sense. Yeah. It's interesting that you say that because 
because I know part of you is part of you is the guy that at one point was out of control. Oh yeah, I was completely out of control. But there's but there's like there's all those stories. But my favorite my favorite gambling story ever. This is my favorite gambling story ever. I have a friend that is that is the is like I was is a complete blackout drinker. And this guy went on it. This was probably a year and a half ago. And he's in his in his late forties. He's got a family. He, he makes very good money. But he went out and with a bunch of friends, and they started at I think the Palms, and they did. And he he lost like twenty five thousand, so he lost twenty five thousand at the Palms. And he went over to you know used his markers there because all these guys have markers all over town. He went to Aria, lost ten thousand at Aria. Went to um, you know Bellagio, lost twenty five thousand. Basically, had gone to where he was down at one point one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. You know, I mean down one hundred and fifty thousand now. The weird part is, is he he doesn't remember anything after that. He had borrowed money from everybody. He'd run up all his markers, you know, everywhere he was. He wakes up in the morning and he's in his suite back at the Palms, and his and he looks up at the guys. He goes, "What happened?" And he goes, "You don't remember what happened?" He goes, "No, I don't remember anything. I just remember like borrowing twenty from you, twenty thousand from you, and being down to like two thousand. He goes, "What happened?" They go, "Well, look in the safe," and they open up the safe. He has $175,000. What he did is he went back, he went on a winning streak, paid back all of his money, went to eat, paid back everything, and won $175,000. Now, that's amazing in itself. That's amazing. But here's the part that that I think sucks about it is he doesn't remember any of it. Yeah, you don't remember the fucking streak. You you don't remember the streak. So You don't remember what went through your head when you said, that's it, I'm calling it a night. You just blacked out and you were like, oh. Yeah, and the thing is, is yes, he won 175, but obviously he could afford to lose 150, so 100, so it didn't mean as much. So just put it in terms of 1700 or 1500, yeah. and it's like, but if you don't remember any of it, yeah. what's the fucking point? Yeah, you know, what's the point of it all? It, it's just, is it? It's is allowing that what, yourself to get completely out of control, I guess. Yeah, yeah, and I, it's like, and same reason people go to dominatrixes. I, I'm, I'm assuming. I'm assuming. I don't know. I've, I've been never, to one once. I, I never have. That's not. I'm not into that. I, 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 I'd punch once. the chick in the face as soon as she fucking like flipped my balls. I'd punch her right in the face. I did it for a TV <laughs> show. Oh yeah. I had a show called Hurt Burr where I took dangerous jobs and I went to a dominatrix and like it was it was weird because I pretty much shot a porn like <laughs> like I didn't have sex with someone but I was yeah. full on naked the entire day and they cattle prodded my balls oh, and they so put like five pound weights on my balls. Punch them in the face. They, right there. I was but I was strapped in. I was strapped into a. Uh, uh, like uh, one of those tables with the stirrups. No thanks. And uh, it was was part of the show, and so. And then I hope I, you got paid really well for this. Uh, yeah, I guess. I mean, per episode, I guess. Yeah. Um, stunt but, pay. What stunt pay? No, I've now no. I got well as an entertainer. I got like eight hundred bucks. What per episode as an entertainer? But as an executive producer, I got like a lot more. They did that so I couldn't sue. The network, because right. I was paid as a contestant on a reality show, yeah. eight hundred the the yeah. base, yeah. and then I as an executive producer I couldn't sue myself, and so, um, but so we did the day, and I was like, and I I kind of got it, I was like, it is a little therapeutic, it's like getting beaten up, and at the end of the day you're exhausted, and you just want to go to bed, and and it's about control, and I said that to her, and I said, I said, does anyone ever like come, and she was like, well, yeah, I mean that that, that does happen, and I was like. Is there anything like pleasurable? And she was like, I got one thing that's pretty fucking, pretty awesome. We're still shooting, mind you. So yeah. I go, okay, what is it? 
She takes a uh, like uh, rubber, like latex, yeah, like the silky latex. Right. Uh, I'm hanging. I want to say I'm hanging from something. I don't know how I was hanging, but I was yeah. I was hanging. I was dangling, and she basically wraps me up like a suitcase, like at the airport. Yeah. You ever seen those European yeah, yeah, suitcases? Yeah, yeah. Tight as fuck. Ankles to neck. My body is completely wrapped up in this thing, and she squirts uh, like a like a lubricant inside it and starts working it down with her hands. Now, mind you, she's wearing latex gloves. She's in latex. She's got a zipper where her crotch is. That's unzipped. She's basically rubbing it down my body, and we had a safe word. Our safe word was marshmallow, and based on the time I fought a bear, and my safe word was marshmallow with the bear, and she gets down to my crotch, and I literally, it is one of the most pleasurable things I've ever felt, and I am not in control of it. So in a weird way, it's like, heightened because she wow. knows what she's doing she's done this before and and as right out of the way i'm like marshmallow like you're not gonna undo this latex and i'm absolutely covered in my own semen like that's not happening i was like marshmallow i have a girlfriend this is cheating marshmallow and she was like she was like you can see how that's enjoyable she's like there's a whole p- bunch of that and then wow. and then she and then she gave me like this is back when they were vhs's she gave me like a stack of VHSs and was like, take a look at these. See if you're into them. You know, hit me up. Mistress Isabella was her name. Mm. She, she was like married to the, like the lead singer of uh, like Blur or something. Yeah, I could I could never have a chick that did something with other dudes. I assume I assume you have the best like crazy sex stories. I have some weird sex stories. Let me just let I want to. St- okay, hold on. And I, I let's backtrack. So for those of you who have not Googled Court yet or don't know Court, he's an extremely attractive guy. Thank you. Honey. I only can imagine that when you were in high school, fucking homecoming king. No, 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 no. I was you grow up. I grew up in Oklahoma. Dude. Yeah. Are you but, serious? Yeah, but see, like I was like I I started smoking weed when I was like twelve or thirteen. Really? Yeah, I was like an Oklahoma and Texas state champion wrestler like all through like junior high. And then and then what happened was I got to high school and I played like quarterback on the f- freshman football team. And then I kind of started getting into drugs, like started getting into drugs because it was Oklahoma. It was like the, you know, it was the late 70s. And late it, 70s. That's the other thing is you look young as fuck. Yeah. Yeah. I'm an old dude. I'm an old dude. My first concert was Led Zeppelin. You know, seventy seven. Yeah, I was like thirteen years old. I went to see Led Zeppelin. Shut up. Yeah, it was fucking awesome. So John Bonham. Yeah, it was, I, yeah, dude. I have a. I have. I told you the other night. I have a. I have a super romantic uh, uh, attachment to the dead partiers. Like yeah, John oh. Belushi, River Phoenix. I read oh. River Phoenix's biography oh, yeah. the other day, and uh, and John Bon. Like all those guys, I kind of uh, Shannon Hoon. Like guys that just died before their Tupac, that died before their time. I always kind of, uh, I always kind of like, uh, I didn't pit myself as one of those guys because I never really partied like that. Like I've always just been a beer dude, pretty much. Yeah. But like I always romanticized that. You know, it's weird. It's like I, I, I moved to L.A. in '84, so I came to L.A. in '84 during the Summer Olympics. Oddly enough. Oh my God! During the Summer Olympics. Summer Olympics of '84. Yeah. God is. Yeah, it was awesome. That is fucking insane. Yeah. So I came here in 84, and I was kind of like, I was kind of, I was going to school at Oklahoma State University at the time. I was just, I was a radio disc jockey and a really? Del Cocaine, 
and you know that kind of stuff <laughs> it was awesome i mean i used to i was in college and i lived in this house with this dude it was a really cool dude and we lived in this great house kind of just off campus and i used to get a pure later which was i guess ups or whatever you know fedex i used to get a fedex package it was called pure later pure later courier pure later courier was like an unknown thing you know or it was you know it was around and i used to get one uh, about every two weeks inside and it used to be a a political science book a poli sci book with the center cut out and they would send me like an ounce to an ounce and a half of like the best cocaine ever who would send it to you this guy out of miami this guy knew it was an old oklahoma state grad and he used to worked it worked as like a cpa in miami or something and and i knew him before he left and um and so he goes, look, you know, this is a great deal. You can make some money. I can make some money. I know, you know, blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, sure. And I would basically, you know, get this ounce. Just you'd open up, smell like cotton candy. It was so good. It was so pure. <laughs> and I used to just take a quarter ounce out of that. Now, now the statute of limitations is way gone on this, so I'm, I'm totally okay. <laughs> I, I used to take a quarter ounce out, which is seven grams. I used to take seven grams out, and that was mine. That was mine. That was the best shit you ever snorted in your life. Totally untouched. Totally untouched. And and then I would take that out, and then I would put a quarter ounce of an isotol on it, which is basically baby laxative, yeah. which is what they use to cut cocaine. That's why whenever you, if you snort cocaine and you, you have, have to, to shit, shit immediately, yeah, it's because yeah. of the baby's yeah, yeah. Later on, I always thought it was anxiety. <laughs> no, later on, I swear to God, as I got older, much older, and was such a cokehead, I remember just the thought of snorting cocaine made me want to take a shit. <laughs> Dude, if I had a nickel for every time I snorted coke, it just was like, I got a shit right now. Yeah, exactly. started yourself. Yeah, have you ever sharded yourself? It's because of an anisotol. But I used to do that. I used to do that, and then we would get this quarter ounce, and I got really bad. I got really heavy into it. This was like 82, 83. I mean, I was shooting it. Really? Yeah, for a little while. Uh, Like, my my cocaine, my limited cocaine use is exactly that, limited. It was a few times partying where... It was around and and it was never. But I, I never I never really, you know, I never knew. How, I knew how to get it, I, you know. But I just I don't. I, I wasn't. I didn't have like I, shooting it. I always thought it was like Motley Crue type shit. Yeah, it was just. It was this. I had a roommate who was like, I don't know why. I don't know why we got into it. But my buddy was like, you know, this stuff is so pure. We goes, we should just shoot this shit. And I was like, yeah. And. Um, I probably did it about a dozen times, um, but I was really afraid of needles. I was really afraid of them. Yeah. So it was like, you know, we would have one needle. For, you know, back, you know, a lot of people just, you know, eight people to use a needle. And well, we were really weird back then, too, as we just had. This was before AIDS. Yep. <laughs> Way before AIDS. And um, uh, before, before AIDS was AIDS. so great. This is before AIDS. Pre-AIDS. Was I have the no best recollection time. of before AIDS. You don't have. Oh. I had sex in the AIDS. I had sex thinking I got AIDS. I lost my virginity. I was like, well, now I've got AIDS. Oh, this is no. going to be really Man, bad. Man, so much better. Second time All I you had, had sex, to worry about was definitely like... Definitely got AIDS. The only thing you ever had to worry about was pregnancy. Really? That was it. That was all you had to worry about was pregnancy. <sighs> you know, and even and at that bad. point, you're like, I'll just kick her down the stairs. <laughs> <laughs> she won't have that baby. <laughs> <laughs> she ain't having my baby. <laughs> so, so, you, so you guys, would, would you guys share the needle? No. 
Never shared the needle. Really? Never shared a needle. No, we would. Uh, we had like this, and I and only did like I only did it about a dozen because it's. And not, this is in Oklahoma. Yeah, this not. This is not an outdoor sport. This stuff is not an outdoor sport. This yeah. is you do this, you're in. Yeah. You're not. I mean, you're bouncing off the fucking walls, but you're not out. I mean, yeah. you, it sends you into a. It's it's an amazing high, but back then everybody was free basing. You know, it not. I'm not talking about crack cocaine. I'm talking about free basing. Free basing, free basing is what you do: is you would take coke, you put it in a vial, and you would cook it. You would cook it in boiling water, and all the shit would rise. And then you would take it out, and it was like a paste. And you would take the paste, and you would put it out on a mirror, like you you put this paste on a mirror with like a butter knife. Yeah. Then it would dry, and then it would dry, and then you would smoke that that because that was pure coke. Holy and, shit! And that's what you would smoke. You'd use like you would put it into a pipe. And a glass pipe, and you would smoke. You'd use, like, we used to use um, cotton balls soaked in 151 Bacardi as lighters. And you would and you would light this stuff, and it would, because, um, you know, there weren't a lot of torch lighters back then. Yeah. And you would use that. We'd have, uh, what do you call it, uh, hemostats with uh, fucking cotton balls, and we'd dip them in 151 Bacardi, and you'd light it over the pipe, and you would freebase. And freebasing was... You know, it was a big deal in the early 80s, huge deal in the early 80s. I mean, that's Richard Pryor. Richard Pryor yeah. was, was basing. And it was like you were smoking pure cocaine. This wasn't crack cocaine. Crack cocaine has about 3% cocaine. The rest of it's like rat poison and fuck whatever the fuck else you're smoking. Yeah. Um, but Freebase was pure cocaine. Holy shit. 100% pure cocaine. And we smoked that. I mean, you'd smoke that and you'd order a fucking pizza. I mean, it was like, you know, you, you got high as fuck. But you were, uh, but that's what you know. We did that. I, my first night in L.A., I uh, buddy of mine from high, grade, high school or grade school picked me up. We had sushi. Then we went back to his friend's house, and his friends and him were freebasing cocaine. And I'd never seen that before. I had never yeah. seen it. And I was like, "That's." I was like, "I was like, I've always been the guy that was like, oh, I'll party." But I remember saying, I remember passing, and I remember being like weird because I had this reputation of being this party guy. And they were like, "But you're the party animal." And I was like, "Yeah, but." I was like, I don't know if I want a free base cocaine, guys. Yeah, and, I didn't. No. and good for you because it it was highly, highly addictive in yeah. the sense that you wanted to do it all the time. But yeah, I got into, I kind of got into a bad place with all that stuff, and um, and it was funny because I came out here for a vacation. You know, I came out here just to vac to vacation. I had a buddy who was living out here, and I was he's like, come out, man. You know, hang out for you know a week, ten days or something. So I go, oh, I'll come out for ten days. And I bought a plane ticket, America West Airlines. You know, I wrote yeah. a hot check. You know, because you could get back then, you could get on the plane and write a check. God, and, and they didn't. Even, I mean, there was like this, this. Sound, you know, I'm sure to people that are of the podcast generation, this sounds like something out of Catch Me If You Can. Like oh, just a, like a like a like. What do you mean you wrote a check? Yeah, like 1984, you, which is not that long. Oh, I, rem, I remember writing that, checks it is, it is for airplane flight. It is long ago. I remember writing a check for a plane flight. Yeah. At you, the airport, I wrote a check. Yeah, you got on the plane. You were on the plane. You had a reservation. You walked on. You sat down. They came by. They collected your money. Mm-hmm. And America West was free drinks. Shut so up. So you drank for free. So it was like, a, I remember it was like $108. For a one-way ticket to L.A. And I remember flying from Tulsa to, to L.A. Got fucking wasted. <laughs> and landed. My buddy picked me up. And the next day, he was a he was a stand-in on a TV series called Dreams. That was uh, John Stamos. Um, God, there was... Who else was in that? Jamie Gertz. Um, 
oh ron i can't remember there was a whole it was kind of this like teenage kind of mtv show you know where it was like this group that was that had a band you know that all worked in different you know worked in a bar but they had a band at night yeah and at the end of the show they recorded a a music video and john stamos was like the guy picture the pitch like I oh. can picture the every episode ends with a music video. Yeah. You know how hot music videos are? We've got that. Every single episode. It's a build up. It tells the story of what we've just seen. Yeah. Come on, what do you And, and there's like, a life lesson at the end. Yeah. And it was great because they had like I mean uh John Peters and Peter Goober who were like I mean like John Peters I think was Barbara Streisand's husband or and Peter Goober was like her hairstylist or something. Yeah, maybe then. he was her husband and John I can't but they were like huge producers. Yeah. Big time. And um and they were the producers of it. We shot at the old uh, Karate Kid studio over in Woodland Hills, which was this high school that they turned into a studio. Yeah. And, um, I mean, they had a recording studio in there. They had everything. I mean, they had Lou Rawls on the show. Fucking Bill Bixby directed one of the episodes. Bill Bixby. Bill Bixby, the Hulk. God. Yeah, it was, like, really cool. And I remember it was July of 1984, and I ended up going um, – he goes, do you want to be an extra? And I was like, sure, man. How much? Do I get paid? He's like, yeah, it's like $85 for the day, which is like a week's wages in Oklahoma. You know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 85 bucks for the day. Yeah. And I was like, okay, cool. And this is like a, an 80s party scene, you know, bar scene. So, you know, you're dressed in fucking neon or whatever, you know. What's your hair like at the time? Um, feathered, for sure. Definitely feathered. <laughs> But um, long, too. I had really long hair. I bet. You've always had perfect fucking hair. Well, thank you, hon. <laughs> and I remember we're sitting there, and I remember going out to this thing, and extras, I didn't know what this was. I didn't know anything about the television or movie business. Beautiful Blessing, by the way. Beautiful Blessing is not being aware of the hierarchy or anything in this business sometimes, because sometimes you can fucking luck yourself into just a, a beautiful either shit sandwich or... Or, or or rainbow sandwich. Here you go. Here's your rainbow right here. So I go out there. It's a hundred and fucking eight degree. It's hotter than fuck. It's July in the valley, and they got us sitting outside like cattle. You yeah. Know, there's no air conditioning. I'm hungover to the point where I'm throwing up in my mouth at this point <laughs> because I'd been up so late drinking, and maybe I had a schnozzle or two. I don't know. Yeah. And uh, and then they there's this. They had these big orange big snakes that they used to air condition the entire this entire bar which was this high school gym that they turned into a bar was a sound stage and i would like go i remember we got to go in one time for one scene and i was like standing in there i was like oh my god and i found this air conditioning thing and i'm just sweating and i'm like standing in front of it i'm like uh and they uh and then everyone they kicked all the extras out i just found a chair and i just sat down in front of this thing and they came by and from the back, I looked exactly like John Stamos. We had the same color, same length of hair and everything. Really? And someone comes up, they go, hey, John. And I turn around, they go, oh, uh, never mind. And then so the next person that goes, they go, you got to go outside. I go, dude, I, I can't. I'll throw up. <laughs> I go, I'll throw up everywhere. They go, well, I'm sorry, but uh, you're, you're, not, uh, you're not talent. You can't stay inside. And I was like, oh, all right, whatever, man. So I tell my friend, like, I'm going to go home. I go, fuck this. I ain't staying here. And he goes, no, no, dude, you, you, you're in the scene. You got to fucking stay. Yeah. And I was like, fuck them, man. I ain't fucking dealing with this shit. And uh, so I snuck back in. And this time the director of photography comes up and he goes, John. And I go, oh, no. And he goes, he goes, dude, he goes, you ever thought about being a stand-in or a photo double? And I go, do I get to stay inside? <laughs> 
and he goes, yeah. He goes, I, I need someone to photo double John from the back. We'll just put his jacket on you. We shoot from the back because, you know, we have to let him go at like five o'clock to record. And I was like, oh, that's great. I go, I'm going to be here for eight more days. He goes, I need someone for eight more weeks. Shut the fuck up. And I go, wow. I go, well, and I go, well, let me think about it. He goes, let me know tomorrow. I came back. Larry was to my buddy told me, he goes, when you get in the union, because it was a union gig. Yeah. It was $140 a day. Plus, that's for eight hours. So it was like this unbelievable. I said, fuck it. I fucking dropped everything in Oklahoma and just moved out here. And I've been out here ever since. Are you serious? Rainbow sandwich, bitch. Rainbow but it's the best. My buddy Grimes had an audition one time and didn't understand how auditions worked. And he oh, just man. walked right in the room. They were in the middle of auditioning somebody else. And he was like, hey, I'm here for the audition. Like, he literally just walked in. And they're oh, like, great. we're in the middle. And he was like, he was like, oh, are we doing it together? Like, completely. <laughs> and they fucking loved him. And they were like, we could use a guy like this. Because it's so refreshing yeah. that they're like, that they don't know. It's so funny that you get into the road of being the guy that knows how the hierarchy works. And you just get kind of like uh, grouped into everything. It sucks, man. I wish I, you know, that's why I actually now don't, it, I think it's better now. Like, I don't work much now. But um, in acting wise, but it, it's like I think now it would be more fun. I hated it for a long time. Really? Yeah, I really hated it because there's just nothing. There's no freedom to it. Stand up has such a freedom, and it's such a it's such a, a spont- spontaneity, and it's like and there's so much. There's it's my shit. Yeah. You know, I mean, I I'm the only one that you know that takes the blame for it, or you know, gets the rewards, whatever you want to say. But it's. It's like there's so much fun. It's so much fun. And just acting, it's like there's maybe in a 12-hour day, there's maybe five minutes of fun. Yeah, but you – that's well, that's interesting. Because, well, you can say that. I think a lot of guys will say what you're saying but without the experience. Like I would say what you're saying, but I don't really haven't done that much. Like acting-wise. Like, yeah. like I don't really audition much anymore because I kind of go, well, I'm not – I may not play the, the crazy neighbor. I'm going to probably play Bert. So I'm going to wait until Bert's created, and then right. and then then I'll be able to be able to be the best version of me. But you kind of have a, like a body of work. You've you've worked as an actor. Yeah, but it's been a long time. But I mean, yeah, but I have worked. But at the same time, it's like, you know, it became corporate. It became. It's now. It's very corporate. There's no independent. There's very few independent studios. Even Sundance Film Festival has not, is not independent films. It's yeah, it's all big names. I was reading. All... I was reading. I think I was reading the like I said the River Phoenix biography. That's where my interests lie. Oddly enough, I wish I could read fucking smart like Tim Robbins books or Tom Robbins whatever yeah. it is. But uh, I I get into like fucking Twenty One Days on this with the Sex Pistols on the road. Like yeah. those are the books I dig. And it was saying like. River Phoenix was in that, I think it was in the first group of Sundance people, where Sundance was this, now it was this becoming this really hot festival, yeah. where a film went there and people were making deals in the background. Right. And that is fascinating. Now I look at Sundance and I'm like, oh, these are pretty much movies that are coming out. A hundred percent. There's yeah. very few movies there that don't already have distribution deals. Yeah, it's like... I mean, it's like we're in Sundance. Oh, let's let's get this movie before it opens at Sundance. I mean, I look at, I look at the, the pilot system now and it's like... Uh, like I, I only get the updates uh, on my phone through like Variety yeah. or through like uh, one of the things online, and it's like uh, Ellen DeGeneres sold a pilot yesterday. Um, uh, yeah. ABC's greenlit Ben Affleck and Matt Damon's pilot. It's like it's like whatever happened to like the Ray Romanos or the Tim Allens? Well, the great the, there are or, like some Roseanne great... Barr. It's there like are, these yeah. big names are selling shows, and it's like it's everything's a little corporate. 
Yeah, I mean, there are still some good ones out there. I mean, like Jim Jeffries' show, Legit, is, Jim Jeffries is, is a great such show, a great yeah. show. I mean, you've got The League, which has still got its... The League is the great. The League yeah. is great. Um, Nick you know, Kroll's... Comedies, I was about to say, Comedy Central's doing some really good stuff with... Uh, Specifically with Nick Kroll with with workaholics, I love workaholics. Yeah, workaholics is a good one. Yeah, I guess I guess maybe there's there's I, a few there's a handful out there, but you've got to really go over to Showtime or HBO to get to the really nitty the great shows like Ray Donovan. Did you watch Ray Donovan? I started watching Ray Donovan. Fuck, that's a good show. Really? You know what show I'm watching right now? Black Sales. Black Sales. I, oh, I haven't seen that one. Yet. I'm just here's the thing I realized about me at a very old age, and I wish I'd realized this younger. You want to be a pirate? I, I like fantasy. Oh, you want to be a pirate? Too? Yeah, I like fantasy. I like like uh, I like to lose myself in a script. I like to lose myself in a story, and I like to suspend my belief. Belief hardcore. I like to, I love Game of Thrones. Oh, I love that show. I am obsessed with Game of Thrones. I literally think to myself. When I go to the doctor and I get a physical, God forbid something's wrong with me and I don't get to see the next season of Game of Thrones. <laughs> like that's all. That's the way I look at life. Is like I want to. Like Lost was a huge fucking show for me. I was, was obs- I was obsessed with Lost. Do you realize that I didn't even watch the last season? I watched every season up till that, and I TiVo'd the entire last season, and I had it all on there. And then when I heard that they, I based because you know one yeah. gave you the spoiler that they were all dead. I'm like, fuck it, I erased the whole last season. It was a little bit of a fucking. Yeah, I was so a I pissed so, off. So I really enjoyed it because I got to see it up till that last season. It was and it was good up until that last season. And the last season, you're like, you're like I'm really confused. Jack's so, here, his dad's here. Wait, I'm confused. So I so I yeah, I left it a good time. But yeah, but now there's shows now like fucking uh, House of Cards on seen it. on uh, on Netflix. People tell me Homeland, Homeland, unbelievable. Uh, I just started watching. You're gonna fucking flip when I tell you, but I just started watching Breaking Bad. Okay. Okay. I, everyone's okay. Like, everyone's like that's the greatest show ever. Fucking it, no, it was. But I didn't start watching it till it was on for three years. Yeah, I just started watching Breaking Bad. Really good. I cannot get past. I, and I and then I, I hate that I'm this person, but I can't get past the cancer part of it. Like every time he has cancer, I'm like, great. Now I'm thinking about having cancer. Like I like get me past. Yeah. Please tell me at some point he stops having cancer and it just turns into a drug dealer because then I can get into. Well, kind of. Okay. Oh, good. You're gonna um, enjoy it. You're gonna enjoy it. So, uh, um, but uh, I, yeah, I like, but I like real hardcore suspended belief. I love fantasy, and I I never thought of myself like that. Like as a matter of fact, I thought of myself as the opposite completely. Did you ever watch Battlestar Galactica? Loved Battlestar Galactica. The, the, do you remember Buck Rogers? I do remember Buck Rogers, but do you? But I what? I'm not. I'm talking not talking Lauren Green Battlestar Galactica. I'm talking about the first one. The the other. Are you, are you talking about the newer one? Like in the in two thousand, I don't whichever one that's got like the hot chick and they're they're like trying to chase the, I can't I don't know who I saw Battlestar Galactica in like the eighties with the guy from like Bonanza. Yes, no, fuck that one. That one's nothing. That <laughs> that's, one, you that, had, that's not. I'm not talking Brian about Brian Volkweis, who's uh, a manager. I think he's still at New Wave. Uh, he was like Barry Katz's protege his yeah. whole career. Oh god! And then Barry got let go, and Brian took over. You know the fucking big fish eats the little little fish eats the big fish or whatever, and um, and Brian was obsessed with Battlestar Galactica. Like he would not stop talking about Battlestar Galactica. The Lauren Green one. The yeah, the new yeah, no, but, no. Get the other one. The other one you'll fucking you won't be able to stop watching. If you're really? suspended, oh, it's so good. Really, it's so good. It's so well done. Really. Unbelievable! It's on Netflix. Get it? It's so fucking good. So wait, let's get back to your partying. So right. okay, you, okay. So you because this this always fascinates me because when I only I only know you as sober cigarettes. That's it. 
Yeah. Like sober, always in control, always got your faculties. You're not you're a mover and shaker, but you're not a business guy in the sense that you're not overtly about the business of the comedy. You're all about the comedy, but you you're always sober. So you're so you're also putting shit together. You're also kind of one step ahead of the drunk guy who's fucking in the corner. So like I don't I don't see you as a fuck up at all. Oh, my good. point. Okay. And so um so maybe my favorite 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 thing about you ever is that you were in Camp Buy Me Love. Yeah, I love that movie. <laughs> Fucking love that movie. I just got a nice check from that yesterday. Are you too. serious? Yeah, like seven or eight hundred dollars or something. I love that movie. Which is a nice check for being twenty something years ago. I'm 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 assuming that half of the people listening to this are going, Can't buy me love. The Beatles song? Can't buy me love when I was in it was high a school. Beatles song. Was a, it was a Beatles song, but it was a it was a uh, it was a cult classic. Yeah, I don't know how it did in the movie theaters. Unbelievably great. We were number really? one at one point I, during the summer. Of I think it was the summer of eighty eight or I, I can't remember what the summer was, but we came out. We were it was huge. It was really? huge. It was a it was a small low budget movie called Boy Rents Girl. When we shot it, Patrick Dempsey was somewhat unknown, not really well. Nobody really knew who he was. I'd never seen him before that. Nobody else really in that movie. I think I'd seen him in uh, in uh, was he in Sixteen Candles or something or something? no like- no he was in the TV series Fast Times at Ridgemont High. Okay. Um, but um, not not much, not really much else. I think he'd done a couple of kind of cool independent. He was an amazing actor. Yeah. Amazing actor. Always has been, like, really well-studied, phenomenal stage. Like, I think he was on Broadway, and you know, like as a kid. I mean, he's a really amazing actor and a wonderfully nice guy, I must say, you know. Um, and, and his dad, obviously, the boxer, Jack Dempsey. No. But no. nice though. <laughs> Nice try, though. Um, Dempsey, the kicker, field goal kicker. Not even close. Okay. I don't think so. I don't even know if he has parents. Um, <laughs> so, so he is. So we so, do this. We do this low budget movie in Tucson, Arizona, and I remember coming back. We were we shot for like six weeks in like I think it was like January or something. Because I remember it snowed in Tucson. It was weird, and um, and I remember we were back, and the executive producer, or the associate producer, was a guy named Mark Berg. Who now is as famous as being like he produced all the Saw movies. He's Charlie Sheen's manager. Really, he's like one of the richest men in the world, and doesn't give me a job. So if you're listening to this, go fuck yourself. Um, <laughs> not really. Thanks, Mark, for nothing. Um, no. <laughs> I hope Mark's in his fucking Lamborghini going yeah. podcast, yeah. huh? Yeah, what's po- a podcast? It's a podcast. I know Court, huh? Court. I saw him at the drive range that day. Didn't even say hello. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> no, he was nice. Not really. Um, but but Mark was the producer, and we got this phone call, and they go, listen, um, we're having this party. We're going to have this kind of rap party deal at this person's house. Everybody come over. We have a great – we have an announcement to make, you know. And we went to this party at my friend's house. It was this big house over in Hancock Park, and it was – we had a lot of fun. And, and the guy got everybody together. And he goes, listen, we just want to announce that I'm really happy about this movie. I want to introduce somebody to you. This is Chris Zarpas, and he's with uh, Touchstone Pictures. And Touchstone was, you know, Disney. It was a division of Disney. And, and Chris goes, listen, 
we we're gonna pick you guys up. We're gonna buy this movie, and we're gonna fucking we're gonna release this movie in eighteen hundred theaters. You know, we're gonna make this a big deal because we were this shit. small movie. Yeah, and we actually went back and did reshoots. They pumped all this. It was the first movie that Touchstone ever bought because this was back when little studios made movies and they could release them, not to very wide releases, but they could release these movies. Yeah, and we got released in like I think like sixteen hundred, eighteen hundred theaters. We were a big hit the summer it was a big deal the, ch- the girl amanda peterson that wow i wonder what she looks like now she i met i saw her she god was, i want to say eight years ago she was the reason can i can i give you my insight on that movie yeah. she was the reason for me that that movie worked because i had i i had three chicks like her that were a couple years older than me that i was absolutely in love with Blonde she had the hair, best tits of any chick I've ever body. seen in my life. Amanda Peterson. Yeah, um, I think she she lives in Colorado, or she was from Colorado. I think she moved back to Colorado. Big Deadhead, followed the really? dead, followed the dead for a number of years. Yeah, Amanda Peterson. God, she's gorgeous. Let's see what she looks like. Let's see. She. This is her as a young. Yeah, that's her as young a young person. kid. Let's see but images. Let's, yeah, go to images, and I want to say that she has. Uh, she last time I saw her, she had really short hair. Um. That's not her. That's not her. I don't know. I haven't seen her in a number of years. Is that her? That could be her. The snake? Wow. Oh. That looks like her. Yeah, it yeah. does look like her. She's still kind of hot. Yeah. She's probably 40-something now. I, dude, I was obsessed with her. She was so pretty, and there were th- there were three girls that I thought... That's my whatchamacallit. That's that. Oh, that's yeah. and that I was like, oh, if I was gonna pay for someone, it would be Hartley Watson. Was oh her name. yeah, Hartley Watson. I like the name was, Hartley. She was so beautiful, and she would drove me to school. Like sometimes she had a cabriolet, like a Volkswagen cabriolet, oh. and she was, and she had one leg was shorter than the other. So like, so she had a but, little, but not bad, but just a little bit. So she kind of teetered still, a little bit. She looked like she, she always looked like she was a little drunk. She was still the <laughs> fucking hottest chick in the world, and I was like, oh, I'd totally rent her for a summer. Yeah, I don't know. I I don't, always like thinking when I think of a girl's name, I'm like, is that a name I could yell from the back room and be comfortable with? Like, Hartley. Yeah, that, it's Sadly, an awful that name. Also that's became a, my best friend. Oh, um, that's too bad. Yeah, she's. This is her. Let's see. No, I get. I don't know. Maybe that's a real estate agent. I can't really find any good pictures of her. Anyone, no, if you have a good her. picture of Amanda Peterson, not Adrian. I, I made that mistake. Adrian Peterson's not the same. Yeah. But uh, she yeah. was gorgeous. She had the best tits. Unbelievable. Real too. So she. So um. So they go back and do reshoots, and then. Yeah, we did reshoots. Is everyone under the impression at that time that, like, you go, oh god, we're gonna be movie stars? Nobody knew. We, yeah. I didn't think so. I mean, I didn't really think anything about it. It didn't really. I, I never thought, you know, at that time, it was like I just wanted to work. Yeah. And I kind of got into the craft of acting. Yeah. You know, I went away to the Berkshires and studied. You this. played probably the, I would say, easily the third biggest role in the movie. Like uh, her, and, her and what's her name are the biggest are the two biggest roles. It's uh, about the two of them. But you play her boyfriend. No, I play the, the I play bully. the I play the bully in the yeah. school. Basically the big dick. Yeah, the big dick. And so so like it's a big like it's kind I can't, I just can't imagine my mind kind of escapes in those moments and I'm like, "Oh yeah. shit, I get in the car and I say things like, my life's about to change forever." 
like. Yeah, no, I never really, I kind of didn't ever think that. I didn't think it was going to change because I already knew that, like, you're only as good as your last, you're, you're only kind of like, it, it kind of happens like this. Okay, then you get another job. Then you get another job. Yeah. Then it starts kind of building. And then what happened was the writer strike hit and everything just fucking shit the bed. And there was, like, really? no career for anybody. Really? Well, a writer strike hit in 1990, 89, 90, and it literally shut down this town. I mean, writers lost their houses. There was no TV season for a year. Um, there was like, I mean, it was hardcore. It was really hardcore. And I actually went to Europe and worked, which is weird. I actually really? went over to Italy and did some movies in Italy and had the, an Italian company came here. I was, I was with this great agency at the time. And they had a lot of, they had like Charles Bronson and they had these great actors that worked all over the world. Oh, wow. And so we actually, my agent said, listen, I've got these two movies in, in Italy. You got to go over to Italy and How work. How fucking great is that? Yeah, and it was great. And was, you're still partying. You're young. I was young. You I was actually, hair. <laughs> I was, I was dating a girl that was on, um, she later was on Melrose Place. Um, this girl, Josie Bissett. Who Josie was, Bissett? Yeah. The blonde? Yeah. Yeah. Are you fucking kidding and me? And then we went over to Italy together and worked on a couple things. And, uh, yeah, she was great. I remember we were, in, we were in Venice together for like three or four weeks or something. It was fantastic. Holy I was smoking shit. a lot of hash back because they had no weed in Italy, but they smoke a lot of hash. So how much are you partying at these times? A lot. Not, not ridiculous. I mean, I'm, I'm working. I'm yeah. not out of control. You know, I'm only like 26 or something like that. So I'm not, it's not ridiculous. Yeah. Um, but it did, uh, you know, after that, kind of after that time, you know, it kind of like, you know, bad relationship. And then, you know, and then I had some friends that, you know, we kind of enabled each other. And it just got kind of, you know, my, you know, late 20s, early, you know, most of my 30s were a blur. Really? Oh, yeah. I was like just insane. I what mean, year is it your early 30s? I'm trying to think 97. Well, let's see. 2001, I got sober. Really? Yeah. So bad. the 90s are like a fucking... I don't... Yeah. Done. God. Nothing in the 90s. Shut up. So like talk about like what like what was what was you like... Cause I, and it, I say this because I really... It's a foreign person to me. Like I don't know this guy. But like what were you... what Like what was the typical night of partying? Like what was a typical day in the life of court? Uh, uh, here's a... Okay. I'll give you a good... I, I say this, but here's a typical night of partying. I would go over... I would... Um, I, I smoked pot throughout the day all day. Yeah. You know, so that was that was a norm. That was just that was just maintaining. You know, I would smoke pot during the day and then I would go over call my dealer, my Coke dealer, and I would go over and I would get a an eight ball, you know, three and a half grams. I'd yeah. get an eight ball of Coke, then I'd stop at the store and I'd get a twelve pack of beer, come back to the house, and then I would um I would sit down on the uh I would sit down on the um on the desk and I would cut up the eight ball. I would cut it into little, you know, little different piles. You know, one pile was for me. One pile was one that I shared, which was the smallest pile, you know. And yeah. then there would be one that I would keep in the drawer for later, you know. And then, yeah. I, you know, because I'd split this up. And while I was doing this, I'd probably drink a 12-pack of beer and snort a few lines. Really? And then I'd, then I'd get in the shower and then I'd go out. Jesus. And then I'd go out and we'd go to like Jones Hollywood or Jones. we'd go to, you know, which we knew the owners and, you know, we'd go there or we'd go to, um, you know, back in the day, Roxbury, which is the big club, you know, on really? Sunset. Oh, yeah. Go to Roxbury. <laughs> and we, we had the upstairs, the VIP area was called the, we called it the Arsenio Hall Lounge because Arsenio Hall was there every fucking night, you know. Really? Did and, Arsenio Hall party? 
I don't know if he did. I never saw him or never. Yeah. I can't ever say. I can't that. imagine if I can't imagine, imagine there's. I'm sure there's drinking and stuff. Yeah, like but, champagne. Yeah, he, just, he seems like he's always had his shit together a little bit. Yeah, always did. And I mean, you'd be up there, and there, you know, there'd be these little booths that sat along the window, and you'd be up there with like Terrence Trent Darby, or you know, be, <laughs> you know, it was like you'd just be up there with different people, and it was just like you'd party and you'd sit there all night, and you'd go till four or five in the morning, and then you'd leave and you'd go to somebody's house. And then you you know you party more there until six in the morning or whatever, and you'd bring some chick home, and then you'd party a little more till like noon, you know, and then you'd you know try and fuck, which would be virtually impossible, you know, and then, and then you would just do that until like three in the afternoon until like everyone kind of came down enough to be disgusted with the fact that what you're doing, and then everyone would go home. Then you'd try and sleep. And then, you know, you'd take a day off and then you'd start again. You know, it was kind of like, holy shit. So, yeah, it's kind of, it was kind of, it's kind of like there's a very short window of fun and that's from about 10 to 11. And then after that, it's just ugly and disgusting, you yeah. know, because now you're, you know, it's just, there's nothing. That's why I think cocaine really is the worst drug in the world. Yeah. Unless you're a dart player. It's really good for darts. Is it? I think. I, I, think. Don't, know. I don't know. I, I don't know how it could be because you're, yeah. you're grinding your jaw and you're nervous. And what? Uh, what did? Um, like out of all the like, like out of all the what was the one moment where you're even in that craziness where you're like, uh, this is fucking. Even this is bizarre. Like you're like, like well, you're getting in a jet or or you're or you're getting a blowjob next to fucking. Magic Johnson or not Magic Johnson is a bad example, but like, like what was what was like the craziest like the the side of the mountain where you're just like this is fucking insane. Um, I don't know if there's ever like I mean I don't know if there's ever a good moment. Really, I don't think there's ever like a really good moment of that because um, and I don't want to name names, but you know I've sat and snorted with a lot of you know I've been in famous places where there's you know a lot of blow going around with a lot of people that you would recognize. You know, and and I just I don't think there's ever anything. I don't think that's ever a good because there's the the conversation is a lie. Every, when you're doing cocaine, every conversation's a lie. Yeah, there's no real conversation. I got that. I got that place with. Um, at one point, uh, it was when I was younger in Hollywood. I was going out a lot and I was partying. Yeah. I was going out to clubs and and drinking yeah. and thinking that was the way to get ahead. Is that you needed a network? I wasn't really doing stand up as much as I wanted and I couldn't get on stage as much as I wanted so my off nights I'd go to Jones and yeah. just get into real creative conversations with people and think you were doing something yeah. forward my buddy Croy who's one of those real insightful dudes was like he's, I remember one morning he was like I feel like you're dropping all your creativity to nobody he was like you're dumping a lot of like creative energy yeah. to nobody and yeah. it just dies it, di- it sits there and rots and he's like when you should be these ideas you're having you should write them down and maybe not go out tonight and write all your ideas down. <laughs> yeah, I think you know when you're in your 20s and early 30s, there's that fear of missing out, of not going, going out, yeah. not feeling like you know, oh, there's a party. Oh my god, I can't believe I'm not at this party. You know, now I could give a fuck. I'm just trying to think of how to get out of going into that thing, dude. Like, you got- how, yeah, how can I not go to this thing? Because it really isn't. You know, I'm famous for like going to some place like I used to do when I did the Playboy comedy tour I had comics and we I had to run to Las Vegas I, I could go anywhere you really like and I, and people go people say oh, I had that town wired there are I've been to Vegas a lot I've been there with a television production crew four times I've been with famous people 
and I've never had more fun and had more access to more things than I went, when I went with you. Yeah, I I, be, I basically had the town wired. I had it You really wired. did have it wired. Yeah, I mean, I could still... I, I want to say the Maloofs were there that day or something. Maloofs, probably, yeah. And they said hi. Oh, like, yeah. oh, yeah, I mean, they're they're great. I love George. Had I saw George on Christmas. Had I uh, saw, saw him at the Peninsula. Saw him at... It was great. There is there is a way to having Vegas wired where you you go and you pay and you get a table. It's like no, the way you're wired at Vegas is when you when you text somebody, they meet you at the front door and you're standing at you're sitting at the table next to the DJ booth at Hyde, yeah. and not paying. Uh, that's how that's wired. And, um, and that night we hung out. I remember uh, I remember we we were we were at the palm we were at the palm. We had. Uh, this is two nights. I want to say we hung out two nights, or it might have was maybe been one night. Who fucking knows? It felt like two nights. So much shit went on. We partied with uh, Josh Kocheck, the oh right UFC right. world champion at the right. time. He ju- is, is that the dude with curly hair? Yeah, yeah. We partied with him. Although I think he was sober, but we hung out with him. Yeah, and he was just talking like, and we were in the we were in the VIP like the high roller area right. we were partying in the high roller area then we went upstairs to the playboy club and we gambled up there and i remember my friend val who works at playboy was there and goes how the fuck did you get in here and i was yeah. like i'm with court she's yeah. like how do you know court and i was like <laughs> uh and then we went and then we took renazizi and who was with renazizi had a renazizi's wife and another one another comic and his wife all went out to another club and we were dancing at some other club. It was like fucking the most insane. And we had dinner with fucking Hess. Me and you had dinner with Hess. Yeah. It was, and we did a show. Yeah. It was just, oh, and we saw fucking Tool. Oh, that's right. We did. We saw Tool at the Pearl that night. We saw yeah. Tool at the Pearl. Yeah. There had to be two nights. There's no way we did this in one possible. night. Possible. Very possible. It was such a fucking insane night that I was like, this is the great. We had. Ba- like literally, practically backstage passes to Tool. Yeah. We just walked into the club, went over to the f- sat in the fucking VIP yeah. lounge, yeah. and like it was the craziest fucking night. No one had that town wire like you had a ta- that town wired. It was just once you're there, there's you know, like I always invite people to the shows. I had great comics like you. I had every every weekend was a great comic. They all wanted to come to the shows, so in turn. Everybody scratches everybody's back there. Yeah. And it's like, you know, you want to go. You don't. There's there's no line. You go through the service entrance up the thing. It's yeah. like casino. You do the Copacabana thing. You go up the service elevators and go in. That's how you do. That's how you do it. Yeah. You don't want to go in the front and where there's people like, oh, there's all that stuff. You got to wait. You go in the back. That's the way to, That's the way you have wired. That when, when somebody takes you the service elevator going up and not down going down the service elevator is not so good because that means you're getting fucking tossed but you're going up then you got it wired and you were and i would say you you and you and you were at the time in your career where you were kind of um you you were definitely taking every opportunity you could to get on stage yeah like you were fucking like i remember i remember like talking to you about comedy and being like god damn it man i'm never gonna make in this business if i'm not as hungry as he is yeah. Like you were fucking, and it was amazing because you had your own show in Vegas. You had the best headliners in the country working your room. You were, had stage time every fucking weekend, and you had that fucking place wired. And every night was a fucking blast. There wasn't one guy that left that weekend going, oh, I don't know about the club. 
But here's what I would do is I would like like you like every now and then I would hang out. If there's someone I really liked hanging out with, I would go out and we'd hang out that night, you know. But I used to, you know, at the same time though I booked my club, not according necessarily to a comic that I like. Yeah. You know, because I think a lot of times people understand that when you when I was doing that show, you know, in Vegas, um, it's like comedies like rap or like music. Like like anything. Like yeah. it may not I'm not saying that they're good or bad. It just may not be my taste of comedy. Yeah. It's just like rap or or country or or pop. You may not like rap or you may not like country, but you can't say that they're not valid and that they don't have fans and that they're not talented people. Right. So that's kind of sometimes what I would do is if there was a comic necessarily I didn't really want to hang with, my famous move was to walk everybody up to the Playboy Club, get them all set at a table and get, you know, everybody sat down, get everything arranged. Like, oh, I'm going to go to the bathroom. I'll be right back and just fucking head to my room and never show back up. And that's what I do. And then, and then they'd be like the next day, like, where were you? I go, oh, I, you didn't see me? I was over there for, you know, and I just never show back up. Now, what was the, what was the, what was the pivotal? Everyone has that bottom. What was your pivotal time where you're like, this is done for me? You mean partying wise? Yeah, partying. You know, oddly enough, it wasn't that much. Um, it wasn't a big night that did it it was just a day where i was like i just can't I, I can't live like this anymore really yeah i mean i mean i had a heart attack in las vegas on the shitter in november of two of 2000 and i still partied for nine more months after that really yeah see that's that yeah i mean it just it, it i don't think i think what happens to is you know and if you know if you're someone that you know, and I and I think everyone doesn't understand this, but I think if you're if you're in this place, you understand this. Nobody can diagnose you as an alcoholic or or a drug addict. You have to diagnose yourself. Yeah. In other words, you have to be able to say to yourself, without a doubt, without any reservations, I can't fucking control this shit. Yeah. And and I don't I don't really think that everybody that gets completely fucked up all the time is necessarily an alcoholic. I just think they're idiots. Some of them are, you know. Yeah. I just think that there's I think with I think to me now this is just my opinion, you know, is that I think that there's an X and a Y. And I think, you know, it's it's just that I never in my entire life ever drank like a quote unquote gentleman. You know, I never used drugs like a gentleman. I never was someone that had a couple glasses of wine. You know, I never, yeah. ever, yeah. ever, you know, was I someone that did that. Now, on a, I mean, there's probably a handful of times, you know, where I had a couple of beers and left without fucking making a scene, you know. But there's not a lot of those. There's not a lot of those, man. I said to my wife the other night, I go. She was like, uh, "You want to open a bottle of uh, wine, a bottle of wine with dinner?" And I was like, "Nah, I don't feel like drinking." And she goes, "Just have a glass." And I was like, "If I have a glass, I'm gonna want two. If I have two, I'm gonna want a bottle. You're yeah. gonna have had a glass out of that bottle, and I'm gonna want to open another bottle." Yeah. I was like, "I think I'm good. I'm just gonna go to sleep." Yeah. She was like, "Seriously?" And I go, "I could have a glass of wine, but I don't like in my head." And and, and I I think I'm someone who definitely has been in control of my drinking as yeah. long as I've drank. However, I just know how I operate. Like and I, I don't need to get like I can go out like the other night at the at the store I had a uh, couple vodka sodas a couple vodka sodas and then and a PBR and I left which yeah. is isn't in too much but I was 
I was buzzed when I left. I was like, I'm fucking going to bed. Pussy. Yeah, I was fucking, yeah. <laughs> Everyone, no, that's I, when the weed started coming out around the back, and I was like, oh, if no. I stick around, there's going to be a bad fucking scene. Yeah, I just, it, it's just that it's not, I, I, I got lucky. I feel like I got really lucky that it wasn't, I wasn't like, I mean, I was already a daily pot user yeah. in a lot. I smoked a lot of pot every day and, you know, ate a lot of pills and, and did, you know, did a lot of that stuff and used Coke, you know, more than twice a week which i think is a bad you know bad deal and you know and it was just and drank not every day but when i drank it was always in excess yeah and and it just and it's just like i feel like i got really really lucky that i didn't become that daily drinker that guy that needed it every day it's well, and a I lot think, of guys a lot of guys and and i'll put myself in this category too is that I think sometimes you think, especially when you're doing the road, this is how it works for me. I fly, I drink when I fly. So that's, there we yep. go. We got yep. that, we got, we got two days a week automatically because I'm flying Thursday or Wednesday and Monday. So I drink when I fly. Those are morning flights. Right. So I'm having cocktails in the morning. The day's a wash. Right. So, and then I'm going to roll in Thursday. I'm going to do press in the morning. I'm going to be up early, middle afternoon nap, up again late. And then you're going to have drinks after the show, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. Sunday, usually I don't drink. Right. Uh, only I work out pretty hard Sunday, and then I'll yeah. not drink because I know I'm drinking Monday. But then you're home for only two days. You're only home like Monday, Tuesday. Yeah. And that's when all the people get together, and they're like, hey, let's barbecue at your house on Tuesday. Yeah. So a lot of times I have to make a fucking – and I become the guy where people go, well, that's the guy I want to have, part, I want to have beers with. Yeah. Bert's in town. Let's go have a beer at his house. Let's cut loose for the night we get to hang out with Bert. So I have to make a conscious effort to go like like tonight for that party. I go, I'm I'm not, you know, I'm gonna have to, I'm gonna not drink tonight, and it almost fucking lets people down. Like they're like, wait, 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 you're not drinking? If you're not drinking, what the fuck are we doing? And and, and that's the hard thing too, is because like I I love going to party. I love being around people at party. I have yeah. no problem being around people that smoke weed, drink. I can't be around cocaine. I can't. I, well, I, I can't I, be around. I it. can't be around cocaine. And I think that I made that decision in New York when I I. I I had a bunch of friends that who did cocaine, and I was I was not doing it, and it was like impossible to be around them. Isn't it? It's, it's just it's just like oh shut the fuck up. Yeah. Like take that fucking chitter chatter, fucking oh. jaw grinding bullshit. Open and close three more businesses in the next three hours, and get the fuck out of <laughs> yeah. my life. I can you know? be around people who smoke weed. I'm not really a big. Doesn't bother me. Doesn't bother me at all. Doesn't bother me at all. I don't have a problem with it. I actually almost enjoy it, especially when like I love the smell of it when I'm hanging out with Ari and Ari's stoned as fuck, and you can tell he's barely listening. Pretty much, and then all of a sudden he like dials it back in. He's like, whoa, 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 what happened? I love Ari Shafir. I love love Ari. Ari He's one of my favorite human beings. Yeah, he is. I mean, I love like Renazizi. I think it's hysterical. You know, get him. You know, yeah. I just I love being around. I don't mind being around pot. I don't mind being around it. I don't um, I don't mind being around people that drink as long as there's not the the same story four times. If that you know, or you got to come up and tell me. Or the worst is fans after a show that are shit faced. It's just like, oh, dude, thank you. You're, See, I, I can't tell you how funny you are, man. Yeah, you're just so good. Well, that's the weird thing is that I'm a big drinker. And people see me as a big drinker on stage, but I'm never drunk when I get off stage. I'm never. Right. I've maybe had one drink right. on stage, and I'll, I'll have one drink first show, one drink second show, and then after the show, I'll have a drink with the staff yeah. and, and like the whatever comics I'm working with. But like usually, but my 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 fucking business model is making sure people drink. 
Right. So despite the fact that it looks like I'm fucking hammered, I'm I'm not. I'm simply having a good time. People are sending shots to the stage. I'll do a shot. I'll be fine. Right. But if I'm doing a shot, then I slow down on my beer because I still want to work. Right. And so, but people get fucking blitzed at my shows, and then they come up to me, and I and it's just one of those things where I just had to learn to love it. I had to learn to love people just fucking hammered like because it yeah. happens so much. Yeah, I don't. I like I said, I don't mind the buzzed part. I just the same. The same story four times. Yeah. That one is the one that's just like, okay, buddy, if you're you're not gonna remember this shit tomorrow, yeah. so at this point I'm gonna tell you to go fuck go fuck off. Well the the, um, the real the way which you've kind of dodged this bullet, but this is the bullet that hits us every day, is uh drunk uh parents. Like your friends, your kids will be friends uh, with parents who have drinking problems and and it's what's interesting is is uh, and I know there are parents who and I'm if you're a parent listening to this you know me and you know you're not the person I'm talking about but you know the person like there are all my all our friends listen to this podcast all yeah. me and Leanne's and they know who I'm talking about but it's not them right. but there are parents who will uh, drink in excess and parents will talk about and they'll be like they were at. Uh, oh, the yeah. pace meeting or, or whatever meeting, yeah, and, and they, they got were a huge fight. They were buzzed, and they and they and they started an argument. Yeah. And she smelled like wine, or he yeah. smelled like beer. And he started calling. He's like, "You're a fucking whore." Yeah, you're and, a whore. She's like, "Oh, you let so and so suck your dick yeah. at the PTA meeting," and and that person's sitting there, and, and it's, it's like a fucking. And I'm like, "Yeah, tell the story, <laughs> tell him." <laughs> I fucking cheer that shit on. That's I, the I, fucking. I start churning the fucking. I start churning. Have kids? Yeah, Ah. that shit happens all the time. Like tonight, we'll go to this party. I'm sure there will be. I don't think any of the people I'm talking about will be there. But there, everyone will get fucked up, and like, Uh. and like, we. It's it's so interesting once your parents because like I've gone to school after being on a flight and having drank on the flight, landed, driven home, not driven home, got a car drive me home, yeah. and then walked to school for pickup to see my kids. Yeah. And and I've had like, you know, four beers on the flight. And yeah. I'm like, I'm like, oh, don't talk to anybody. Yeah. So I can keep it to yourself. Yeah. And you're fucking bumping into the crossing yeah. guard going, I'm get like, out of my way, bitch. I'm like, I'm like, Leanne, I'm going to sit in the car, bring the kids out here. We're going to I love geez. your wife, by the way. She's, She's the coolest. She's the fucking, she was so excited when she saw you. Oh, well, it was so funny because we are at Burbank Airport and I was going... Where the fuck was I going? I think you were going the same place she was. Uh, no. Oh, I was going to. Was I going to Phoenix? I think you were going to Phoenix because she was flying through Phoenix. I think. Yeah, I was going yeah. to Phoenix, and and I and I hear this voice in the parking lot or in the drop off, and I go, "That's fucking Bert." <laughs> and I couldn't mistake, and I was like, "Hey!" I was like a fucking asshole too. Oh, you were dressed like such a soccer dad. <laughs> you were just. You just. You looked like you were just gonna go home and fucking put uh, fill up the fucking blow up pool oh. and just like sit there and just cook all day long. Oh. You were but I was like, I, she t- she goes, how do I know him? I said, it's Court. You met him in a long time ago. You dropped me off at my house. You, we flew in together, and you dropped me off, and I introduced you, and I told her he was in camp. Out, and she went, oh, shut the fuck up. She's like, oh, my God, he's here. And so I was like, yeah, go say hi to him. She's like, no, I'm not going to bother him. Uh, she's I was like, a sweetheart. Yeah, she's uh, she's she's the reason I have a heart out in 10 minutes because they have brownie meetings, and George uh. is not in brownies. George is in or, – George is in Girl Scouts, Isla's in Brownies. So I got to go pick Georgia up and get her out of this brownie fucking meeting because it's all, I was fucking, yeah. you have no idea. Anyway, so, 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 and then did you start stand up before you got sober? No, after. 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 I got sober and uh, I was talking to a friend of mine and, and he goes, 
And I was, you know, I always wanted to do stand-up. Always. All my life I wanted to do stand-up. And um, never had the balls. And usually was, you know, and it, that drunk guy on stage that's trying it is a dick. And I was like, so. <laughs> so the drunk guy on stage who can do it is a dick. <laughs> yeah. I know. I hate that guy even worse. <laughs> but what's weird is I went to, um, I went to uh, Adam Barnhart. I don't know if you know Adam Barnhart. He's a comic at the Comedy Store. Um, had a class. And I never in my life, as a comic now, yeah. would never go, oh, go to class. You know, I would just say, get up on stage and write, and write, and write. But at that time, and to this day, he's the only person I've ever met in my life that I think can teach you how to start as a stand-up. Well, I, you know, people shit on classes, mostly because Kyle Cease did a class and everyone slammed Kyle. And then that became the kind of the crux of the class conversation. I want to have really? Kyle on the podcast. Uh, yeah, because I've been friends with Kyle. I've known Kyle. I for like a Kyle. I, love Kyle. I, I don't think I look. I don't think you can ever. I don't, I don't think you can shit on a class if it's a comedian that's working. I think if if he's sharing his insight, the one thing I liked about what Adam taught and what I learned in that class from him was how to just be yourself and how to not mimic some other thing. And how to write like he would like he would have you every night you would get up in class and you would do three minutes, you know, like you were going to do at the comedy store or you were going to do someplace and you would get up and he would basically talk to you about your material, not in critiquing it as good or bad, but whether it's coming from a true place. Yeah, well, I did did, uh, Tony Hinchcliffe's podcast, Kill Tony, where they have guys do one one minute and then you critique it. And I was like, this is going to be horrible because I'm who am I to fucking comment? Yeah. But, you know, I have been doing it for 15 years. And, yeah. and with that comes a little bit of experience. So any right. joke they've written, I've actually probably written also at some point. Or yeah. I have an angle of the way they can take it better. Or I can see, hey, here's what I would have done. And just give them advice. Yeah. And it was really kind of helpful and fun. Comedy classes got, get a bad rap. And, but, and I, I, I never took one. But I can't say that it wouldn't have helped. It would have do- probably cut through a lot of the bullshit that I had to learn on my own. Well, the one thing it got me into was it got me into he did a Sunday night. He did every Sunday night at the comedy store in the belly room. And I think he still does. So if you ever want to go check out Adam, he's really good. And I started doing every Sunday night in the belly room at the comedy store. So every Sunday night, then I would do open mics around town. And then Paul and it and- gets you in the scene. Yeah. And then Paul and I started our own Wednesday night room up there, which later turned into Vegas. And, um, you know, it's turned into rock comedy in the main room and, you know, but I, uh, but I got up and then what happened was, is, is I got to be part of the store, you know, the comedy store, uh, you know, that, that, uh, incestuous soul sucking scene of uh, a comedy world. It's a fun scene. It's a fun scene. It's a fun scene every now and then I was telling, I was telling someone the, well, I, wait, were we just talking about this? Yeah, we, you and I were talking about it the other yeah, night. Yeah. yeah, yeah, and I was like, I was like, I would have fucking, you would yeah, I would have loved this I, if I had, had I found this. I would definitely never have gotten married. I would never have had kids because I would have partied. I probably would have gotten sober at some point. I would have, <laughs> but I, I wouldn't be on TV. I wouldn't be working because the thing that helped me was the thing that helped me in my career was being grounded with my wife. Like right. that really kind of like having a kid really put perspective on and kind of motivated me to to uh be a lot more humble because i needed money i was i was broke and uh and it got me to stop partying like and being out and just be like home well i think that's that's the whole reason i quit doing vegas i did vegas for nine years and i found that i i was becoming 
this guy that booked like I had a lot of people that used to call me a lot for work. They used to say, "Hey, dude," or they'd come and they go, "Hey, dude, what's going on?" You know, I'd be like, "Not much, man. How are you?" You know, or they'd see me at the comedy store or Laugh Factory or Improv, and they'd be, you know, always real friendly and you know, always, "Hey, man," you know, really nice. And and then uh, and then as soon as I quit Vegas, you know, it's been about a year and a half since I quit Vegas. And I would say probably 20% of the people that used to call me still do. Yeah. And the 80% pretend like I don't even fucking exist anymore because there's nothing to... There's... That's the sad part about this business is there are so many people... Like I like I, I look at... I look at... Uh, I'm, I have a hard time making friends. But I look at someone when I've made a connection with them. And I, I, I'm to a, flaw, to a flaw. Like... I have a hard time asking for favors. I have a hard time asking for help. I have a hard time because I don't ever want someone to see me as using them to get something else. Right. 100%. I mean, look, I I started doing this. I started uh, advising on the board of this website called LaughFest. And LaughFest is this LaughFest.com. You go on there and it's like, and it's up and coming comedians put their profiles on there, their videos on there. And then, and then the online community votes on them. And at the end of the, at the end of each, um, each, whatever cycle it is, we give the winner a thousand dollars. That's great. And it's like, and then they do a show at the improv, the Hollywood improv. We do a show. We're doing one February 9th and whoever gets the most votes gets a thousand bucks. I'm not – it doesn't cost anything to join the website. It doesn't cost anything to upload your videos. It doesn't cost anything to get on and vote. And they came to me with this idea, and they said, you know, what, is there anything you can help with us? And I got them into, you know, different venues. We've done the Comedy Store, the Improv. You know, we've done some different venues. And, and I just kind of came on as this advisor, and I just wanted it to be something that – that guys that were where I was five years ago now have a chance to, A, make money. Dude, you know, there's some money. I remember Gary Goldman and I sitting at fucking Coffee Bean on Sunset going, yeah. how do we make money doing this? Yeah. Like, just doing stand-up. Like, there was no... Yeah. We couldn't figure out how just to make money. Like, what do we have to do? Do we put a tape together? Do we submit to clubs? Like, it's so fucking hard. Because it's so, it's so difficult to, even now, like, even when you've got some established stuff, if you're not doing the road every weekend. Yeah. Like, I'm just at the point now where I still go out and feature for guys, and I'm starting to headline. I'm doing, like, Crackers in Indianapolis. I just did... Hoya last weekend. I've got some gigs coming, but it's like I'm still not in that every, you know, so now I've got to go feature, which isn't great money, but it's still some money. But it's like if you live, if you're here, the guys that make, you could make a living if you did Comedy Store Main Room Friday and Saturday, you you know, laugh. You could make nine, nine hundred to a grand a week if you, if you were doing, but, but the people that are doing all those spots are people that don't need the money. Yeah, exactly. You know, it's the guys that are, you know, huge. And they're yeah. like, and that's, they're the ones. And I, and I get it. Clubs need to, you know, bring people in. But I honestly don't believe that a lot of people go to the comedy store because so-and-so is there. I think they go because it's the comedy store. I think the same thing is said for the Laugh Factory. Um, and, and I think in part the improv. Well, I think the Laugh Factory for a while people went because Dane was there. Yeah. I think Dane really kind of defined the Laugh Factory. And I think to this day I go, oh, that's Dane's club. Yeah. Um, I think you're right about the comedy store, and I think you're right about the improv. I think people go because they know the name. It's a name association. Yeah. I think. I mean, I don't. I don't. I haven't done the Laugh Factory, and except for like a showcase. Yeah. Like I've I've very seldomly worked there. I, I passed and then called in, and I just it was just too much. It's, there's a lot. There's a lot of going and hanging out there to get. And it was to like Jamie. Spot. I always gave me this feeling that uh, that 
he I should be he should be my representation. And I was like, this is consistently uncomfortable. Yeah, like like just the. Like uh, so, I just find that like it's like I have nothing. I like Jamie. I like Jamie I, I, too. I, I like Jamie. It's just that I don't. Um, I I don't I don't get it. I don't get what you know. I guess it's just kind of like every club owner. There's a million comics that are coming in, and yeah. why am I special above every? You know, I think I'm special because yeah. I think I should have you know two spots a week, and there's you know four hundred other guys that are in town this week that want two spots a week. Why? Yeah. Why should I get them? And you know, but then you see the same people get them every week, and you go, "Well, why is it there?" You know, it is. It there's there, you can't answer those questions. It's fucking. You know, it's, shoot yourself in the fucking head. You just gotta head. wait until you're that yeah. guy, and then everyone wants you, and, and then you just, just tell everybody to fuck off. Yeah, <laughs> buy a house in fucking Malibu. I fucking wish to God that this is literally an hour and fifteen. We did an uh, hour and fifteen, wow. and I have to go pick up Georgia. All right. Can you? Uh, are you? Re- let's do another fucking podcast. Let's do it whenever you're ready. Um, I'm free. Um, fuck. Uh, I'll text you because I have so much. This is one of the best podcasts I've ever done. Oh, you're, I, I'm, you're a good fucking storyteller, right. so I, right. I'm a good listener when I can. Like, I'm not a good listener usually <laughs> at all. I've been a good. I've been a good listener with uh with anytime Joey Diaz is here. Anytime I love here. Joey Diaz. Bill Burr. I was a really good listener. Fuck. Jen Kirkman. I was a really good listener. Yeah. I'm very, but I'm very seldomly a good listener. Yeah, I've talked over people like crazy. Huh. Yeah. Um, do you have anything you want to plug? Uh, February 9th at the Hollywood Improv uh, Laugh Fest, and I got a new uh, podcast which you have to come do with Mr. Joe Bartnick, and it's called Insensitivity oh, yeah. Training. It's I'm on totally in all things comedy network. Fucking, and- I think that I. Hopefully by the time this airs, I will be on all things comedy. I'm just literally love him. I'm, I I love him too. I've I've been trying to move that forward. I'm yeah. just a, I'm I do this by myself. So anything I have to do by myself is a fucking nightmare. Yeah, you still do it by yourself. I but do it, this but, all by myself. Yeah, I, we do ours by ourselves. But we recorded at All Things Comedy Studio. Thank God for them. Thank God for Emmett, yeah. Mike, and Al and Bill, who who help us out. But All Things Comedy Network and sensitivity training. Uh, last week we or the one that just came up. We have uh, Marissa Rhodes, who was an American Idol contestant, really, who got kicked, who who, who didn't make it. But you'll hear why she didn't make it. It's great why she didn't make it. Oh, is that? And we tell we talk about the American Idol process. Oh, from the inside. Oh, it's awesome. Is it on right now? uh, It's it's up on iTunes right now. Downloaded tonight. Yeah, it's up on iTunes. We talk about the process and and Joe pledges his uh, his love for Faith Hill and his disgust for Rush. So you have to listen. (laughs) I love Rush. I fucking love Rush. (laughs) You and Joe Bartnick are going to go to blows. Um, (laughs) Fucking blast. Yeah, let's do that. Let's sign up to do that. And then I'll have you back, man. I had such a great time. Thank you so much. Thanks for bringing me into the man cave and the Sprite and the what are these things again? The combos. Combos. The combos taste so wonderful. I just want to see the combos. Combos. Thank you. I appreciate it. I love you. This episode was brought to you by The Machine.